Maybe I'm missing the reason you're smiling a while. So listen. I love this song. Good, good pick there, Ryan. We haven't played the Beastie Boys, I think, since I started. Who's out of respect to Lou? Sorry, I just knocked my headphones out. There you go. If you said something, I missed all of it. All of it? I honestly missed the whole thing. I kicked no, my headphones I, out. You missed everything I said. Right there. I hope it was uh, this good is stuff for about Lou. the Beastie Boy. This is for Lou? Yeah. Miss you, Lou. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your the phone most number. fantastic sales of the year. <laughs> that was amazing. Uh, you're going to be hearing that a lot. The uh, fruitastic savings over at Shaw's. Um, we'll get to your phone calls here in just a minute, but I wanted to uh, touch on some things that Jeff Howe had to say on the Pat's Interference podcast. Jeff Ho of the Athletics. <laughs> Jeff who? Je- Jeff Ho. Jeff Ho of the Athletics. Hey. That's Jeff Howe, and he was on our buddy Andrew Callahan's Pat's Interference yes. podcast. Um, he had a lot to say about several different topics, uh, a lot of it Mac Jones-centric, and the Coach Tartar comments, which we were just discussing, Megan, uh, which we think is going to be, well, anyway, you think, I'm not totally sold yet, is going to be beneficial in the Bill O'Brien-Mac Jones relationship, should it come to that. The uh, being Coach Tartar thing will be good because that's what O'Brien provides. I think I, I want to be Coach Tartar. I want to be um, a better player and the coaches have given us everything they've got, and they've done everything to put us in position to win. Um, but I want to hold everybody accountable, including myself. So um, I think that's, you know, it's tough, right? You get called out a little bit, or you have to admit that you didn't do your job. I mean, that's part of the game, and a lot of that blame falls on me. I didn't do my best tonight. Coaches gave us everything they got, and it really wasn't enough, and that's why we're looking for a new offensive coordinator. Um, here's Jeff Howe, Jeff Ho. Wondering about Belichick if he was slighted or felt slighted by Mac Jones's comments. When Mac said after a game that he wants to be coached harder, he's a guy who can handle hard coaching. I mean, he thrived for Nick Saban, Corky Rogers in high school. Like these are guys who are very difficult on their quarterbacks. But you see that, and I can't help but wonder if Belichick saw that as a slight. And since then, all these questions that you guys gave to Belichick about like committing to Mac or whether it was a starter and long-term, whatever. And he just sort of was non-committal. Like, I wonder if that was out of spite be going back to the coach Tartar comments. I, and I'm just speculating on that. Okay. Fair enough. Um, are you, are you of the belief that there's a rift right now that is sort of right out in the open, like hiding in plain sight, this rift between Bill Belichick and Mac Jones? I mean, it seems like, there's certainly some dysfunction there, but would you consider it a rift based uh, on the things Bill rift? said? Yeah, Like they're not speaking? No, no, That's no. That's what I think of as a rift. They're speaking. I think that Bill was sniping at Mac a little bit there. It sounds like that. that's very specific speculation from Jeff Howe. That is very specific speculation. It sounds to, informed. To pick out that the coached harder comment, and then from then on, every appearance, Belichick kind of backtracked or wouldn't be specific about Mac being, you know, his starter or he has the ability to be a quarterback in this league. You know, the glowing praise is gone. I don't know if if it's a direct line of correlation. It seems like, yeah, I feel like the relationship there is not great right now, if that's what you're asking. And it needs to be rebuilt. Like there needs, it needs to, these are two guys who are hugging each other, like actually hugging each other, enjoy on the sidelines last season. So it's not like this is a 20 year relationship that is deteriorated, is so far gone like Mm -hmm. we've seen before. This is one bad season 
and bad off season probably. Yeah, it has been. It was so a bad it's like, season. Sure. There's no way, like, you can't sit here and go, this is beyond repair. Now, do you have as much sunk into it with the relationship where you're, you know, you you have the history together and everything? No. But I mean, I don't, like, it's just to think that this relationship is in a good place between Belichick and Mac, I think, would be kind of naive, even like informed or not. Don't you feel that way? I absolutely feel that way. And I think that Belichick's comments uh, when asked about if Mac's a dirty player, his comments when the whole thing about him in the future and he said he has the ability to play quarterback in the league, all that. Well, I, I mean, think there's, uh, you know, Mac has the ability to, um, you know, to play quarterback in this that's league. That's a shot right there. I'm sorry. That is a shot. When you get asked a question like that and your response is, well, I think Mac has the ability to play quarterback in the league, that's basically the same as uh, Robert Sala out there saying, yeah, we could have played Zach Wilson today, but we're not playing him anymore this year because we don't want to play him anymore. Like, that's basically the same thing. What do you think? What do you think about the future here with this kid? What do you think about uh, him being your quarterback for years to come? Well, he does have the ability to play in the league. That's about as uh, backhanded of a compliment as you could possibly get the kid and I wouldn't and, call it a compliment. I know. I mean, I'd call it an observation. Sort of. Yeah. It's not even really a, a compliment. You can play in the league. Okay. I guess that's something that'd be complimentary to like a seventh round pick. But you so, picked this guy fifteenth. But going back to the original point about whether Bill felt slighted by those comments from mm-hmm. Mac, and I mean, yeah, it seems so. You know, we talk about, and I know that this has been out there. Other people have said this, but Bill is a military guy and he's a respect guy and he likes the chain of command and everything. So, and by the way, Matt Patricia is one of his best friends. True. Who he has a tremendous amount of respect for. And it was probably difficult in a way, in many ways for Bill to not just sit there and see, watch his team perform the way that they performed on the offensive side of the ball, but also see his friend fail and that he put his friend in that position. Yeah. Like, yeah, it all comes back to him. I can't imagine it was like a barrel of laughs for him, unless he's a complete sicko, <laughs> you know, really? unless he hates Matt Patricia and and there's some kind of, you know, weird hates Patricia, frenemy hates situation. Judge, hates Kraft, yeah. hates Mac, hates like so, everybody. <laughs> I'm sure that, that that did rub him the wrong way. And now was it enough that he's turning around and he's, he's like spitting it back at Mac? You can draw your own conclusion. It doesn't look like it's good between them. No, it certainly doesn't. And I feel like this isn't much different from the whole Joe Judge being uh, butthurt that Matt said that we're going to teach each other the offense. Like, he was upset about that. I feel like he took it as a shot. That's He's Joe Judge though. as opposed that to Bill one, Belichick. That one is so ridiculous. But it's the like, same thing. Being I coached harder, we're teaching each other the offense. Of course no, they no, think no, it's no, a no. shot. No, 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 Because I think coached harder, like, I was surprised. I followed, I, when that happened, I followed up with Mac, and I was surprised that he answered the question again and elaborated on it with us and you don't Mm -hmm. have to grab that Ryan like it was that was months ago but uh like I was surprised that he doubled down on it because my like my antenna went up like oh that's something that that's something that Foxborough is not gonna like (laughs) that's something that Bill's not gonna like so what's the difference then the difference is to say we're gonna learn from each other is not criticizing the coaching staff saying I'm going to teach him the offense. Is he didn't say I'm not. He said I'm going to learn gonna from teach him. Each other. He's going to learn from me. We're going to teach each other. Meaning I'm going to teach him. He's not saying I had to sit down and teach him the offense. Like it. this is him saying I need to be coached harder. I am not being coached the way that I need to be coached, and they're falling short of that. That's what that is. That was a direct shot. Fair enough. So I understand like why you would be slighted by that. That crap that he said about Joe Judge. That is so soft. 
that is so sensitive if if you get offended by that. If you said to me, like, if an intern came in and here and said, like, hey, you know, I can't wait to learn from you. Maybe you'll learn something from me. I'd Maybe like, I'll, if an intern said I'm going to teach you how I'd to host like, a radio show, you wouldn't be like, bleep he you, He didn't intern. say that. <laughs> he didn't say that. I'd be like. Kind of a little bit. Yeah, I, hopefully I probably can learn something from you. How the hell does TikTok work? <laughs> you know? Like, that's what I'm saying. If you don't have a crazy ego, this shouldn't bother you. If you're not incredibly insecure, this kind of stuff shouldn't bother you. That shot from Mac about being coached harder, like, that's a real thing. You got that? All right. Um, here's uh, another piece from Jeff Howe on Andrew Callahan's Pat's Interference podcast about Mac being the guy, and if he is, what everyone else has to, uh, what they all have to do. If Mac is your guy, everybody just needs to sit in a room and just talk it out and say, okay, let's figure out how we can make this thing better next season. You know, what is the roadmap? What do you need? What do you need from us? Stuff like that. Just have an honest conversation, talking football, talking strategy, figuring out what your strengths are, and then from the Patriots' side, figuring out what they want to do, if that fits with him. If Mac's not your guy, then okay, fine. Commit to a different path. You know, I think there are teams that are out there that would be willing to trade for him. But at, at the start of this whole process, or once they figure out who their OC is going to be, just bring everybody into a room and have a talk. I mean, that makes sense. <laughs> bring everybody into the room? Yeah, put them all in the room. Have them hash it out, whatever problems that there are or they problems bring that there may Saban be. In. They uh, should like go on Bill's boat and Saban comes in and Bill O'Brien comes in and Bill Belichick comes in and Max sits down and they go, we're all Alabama people here, except for you, Belichick. Thanks for lending the boat. And everybody has a little, you know, they, they everybody has a drink. Like when Clinton stood between Arafat and Yitzhak Rabin. <laughs> you know, like bring everybody, everybody like that. Hold hands yeah. and play a little Bob Marley, three <laughs> little birds. Everybody sails to Nantucket. You can fix this. That sounds like fun. That sounds like a good uh, team-building experience. And finally, uh, what to do if you're moving on from Mac Jones? If you move on from Mac, like, what do you improve at the position? And you look and you can say, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not trying to turn this into like a six-hour Tom Brady debate. But you look at what's out there. It's Tom Brady. It's Jimmy Garoppolo. It's Derek Carr. And then. You know, you get a little more like I don't is Derek Carr necessarily an improvement over, over Mac Jones? I, I don't no. know. It depends on what your offensive system is going to look like. Uh, the Raiders are moving on from him for a reason. And, you know, the Raiders pretty well. Yeah. Um, Garoppolo, you know, if Brady doesn't go to the Raiders, I would expect the Raiders to pay for Garoppolo. Are you going to get into a bidding war for Garoppolo? And all of a sudden you go from a quarterback on a rookie contract to a quarterback making thirty five million dollars a year. You know, that's a massive philosophical debate. Do you try to get more creative and say, hey, you know what? Maybe they're going to move on from Trey Lance. Do you send Mac Jones to, I don't know, let's say the Raiders strike up. Let's say Garoppolo goes to the Jets and Brady retires. Do you call up the Raiders and say, what would you take for Mac? And then use whatever assets you have to either trade up in the draft, if you like one of those top three guys. Do you call San Francisco, see what it would take to get Trey Lance? Other than that, like there's not an upgrade out there that seems like an overly practical solution. You said, no, Derek Carr is not better than Mac Jones. No. Statistically, he is. Can we, we can visit this on the other side because okay. I actually think those <laughs> options are worth playing out a little bit. I agree. They're so wacky. 
and devious. They're not like totally out of the question, but I think we should discuss them. All right, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Ryan Garvin has what's trending, and when we come back, we will do that. We will discuss these potential uh, quarterback situations here, and we'll circle back on Bill O'Brien and his reputation in Alabama and why that's so bad right now. We'll get to all that right after trending. Sports Radio WEEI, it's Christian Arcan. It's Megan Ottolini. Uh, before we went to break, we were discussing that. That was uh, Jeff Howe, Jeff Ho, depending on who you ask, talking about the various quarterbacks and where the QB carousel could go and uh, potential replacements for Mac Jones if the team were to move on from him. Are you going to put Mac on a horse up on that carousel? <laughs> Get up there, boy. Put him up there. Why not? Yeah, there you um, go. Take a picture. Bye. Derek Carr. Oh, he looks so happy. They said, is Derek Carr better than uh, Mac Jones? You blurted out no. no. You said no that he is not. Um, explain, because statistically he is. So statistically he is. Uh, Derek Carr's 31. I don't think that they're that different of a quarterback in terms of makeup. I'm still, I am more optimistic about Mac Jones's future than Derek Carr's future. And I feel like in terms of a plug-and-play guy, mm-hmm. I understand how bad Mac looked this year. I think if you put Derek Carr in that position, he would not have looked much better, if different at all. You don't think that... See, I think that there's a chance someone like uh, Derek Carr has been around a little bit longer and has had different coordinators and knows what it's like to go from one coordinator to another. And maybe even he's had a coordinator who was kind of a bozo and didn't know what he was doing. Like, you know what I mean? Like That experience, I think, can be useful in a situation like the one the Patriots just yeah, had. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's just the time being a professional. It's the time being in the league. Like I get that. You're, he's more of an adult. Like He's more fully formed. But I also think that that works against him because... He's Derek Carr, and that's all he's ever going to be. But I, I, and I think we've had like some version of this conversation before. What's more fascinating to me is these other things that could play out. So, like looking at the Garoppolo thing, mm-hmm. I, at this point in time, I don't feel like that would be the move that they would make uh, for thirty-five million. Like, if it seems like only realistic in any sense that it's Jimmy Garoppolo and that uh, that Bill adores him it would cost you now to get jimmy and it, it would it cost have, you so much and and yeah. like i just i don't think that bill could swallow that like the the cost of it mm-hmm. but the one that was really crazy that jeff howell of the athletic threw out there was the trey lance one because right. we were just talking i believe yesterday about what a weird position kyle shanahan is in with trey lance and with brock purdy and how it seemingly Kyle Shanahan can turn any quarterback into at least a pretty good quarterback, like in his system. Yeah. And so what do they do with Trey Lance? Because now Trey Lance is like the one the exception that proves the rule. Well, Trey Lance, it's just okay. He barely played his first year. The Mm -hmm. knock on him coming out of the draft was he's he's really not fully formed. Right. He's just like a very talented lump of clay. Hasn't even gone through puberty yet, basically. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, like he has huge upside, huge athleticism, but just so, so raw. And then now in his sophomore season gets hurt after two games. Like, I don't even know how much they know what they have there. They certainly had enough where they wanted to start the project and they wanted to move on from Jimmy J, Jimmy G, and it didn't work out that way. And now you have Brock Purdy, who's playing really well. So they're just in a really strange position with Trey Lance. And he's just, he's like in arrested development right now. Yeah. Yeah. He's Michael Bluth. Um, they have to figure out something to do there. Uh, you can't, you can't trade all those picks and mortgage your future in a lot of ways to, 
draft a guy. It's not like you traded it for a player who was established already. You put all the eggs into developing this guy into a superstar starting quarterback for years to come, like a generational quarterback. That's that's the type of investment that you made into him, and you did that knowing that it probably would take at least a year or two. When he played, he looked like he was lost out there. In the preseason, in that game against the Bears, I think he got hurt in the second game, right? Like they that That's when they, they moved on from him, so maybe that was when he was about to have his big breakthrough. But every time I saw him, he looked like he was completely over his skis on the field, which, again was part of what this process was going to be with him and part of why, you know, when they drafted him, they knew that this was going to come with it. Now to sort of give up on it because Garoppolo played well or because Brock Purdy played well, it does sort of point to something. Well, why invest all this in a quarterback if all these quarterbacks can play well in the system except for this one guy? You plug and play anybody. Instead, you got this project that's going to take years. Your offense is ready right now. I think they should move on from Trey Lance. I'm sorry. Like that was a that was a dumb way of, of of trying to build the team. You already put all the things in place and now you have a quarterback who can't run the offense. Put any quarterback in there. You know what a it seventh is? rounder, Jimmy Garoppolo, anybody can run this it's thing. It's like you bought your kid a nice expensive toy and they're having more fun playing with the box that it came <laughs> right, in. Right, yeah. I'm not calling Brock Purdy a box. It's just like sometimes you luck your way into thing that your kid loves. Sorry, this is what actually worked. Like you, you had the super high draft pick, and this is what you took. And it, it's it's the whole sunk cost fallacy, right? In economics, don't hang on to it just because you paid so much for it. Yeah, just because you invested in it, don't invest more. I'm with you. Uh, I I think that the uh, the Trey Lance thing was a was a whiff on their part. They really really blew it there. Um, they should have had more faith in their own system. It's the opposite of the Patriots. Patriots had too much faith in their system that they thought anybody could just run it. The uh, Niners thought, oh, we got to bring in this quarterback and trade for this quarterback so that he can be our guy for years. Turns out anybody can run your system because it's a good system. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. We were talking about Bill O'Brien. He interviewed with the Patriots today. That was according to multiple reports. How did it go? Don't Waiting know. for the follow-up. Would love to hear. Would love to hear <laughs> today. Uh, I know we're not going to get that. Did they belly? Did it's they just, chest I, bump or anything? I like, think what it's happened? so funny that the reports are always just like, the interview happened. Yes. And there's no follow-up. There was an interview. And that's all we're going to say. And that's all we're going to know. Um, Bill O'Brien is the leading candidate. That's also come out today. It's been out for a while now. Uh There's also the little matter of Bill O'Brien's tenure at Alabama, which is where he's coming from. Offensive coordinator there. Um it's you a different. At, it's a different world than us. Oh, of course. The SEC is a different thing. Just ask Paul Feinbaum, and you can also ask Mike Rodak, who is uh, used to be, I think, around here, right? He was a local guy. He's a Patriots writer. A Patriots beat writer now uh, covering University of Alabama. He was on the Next Pats podcast with Phil Perry and uh, had this to say about Bill O'Brien down in Tuscaloosa. I think every radio interview I've done for the last month, that's probably been the first question, is that people are asking what's going to happen with Bill O'Brien in the offseason. And now the offseason's here. People are asking why hasn't he gone yet? Um, because fans don't like him. And that's you know a product of, I think, the high standard at Alabama because people, the fans here, expect them to win every single game. You know, there's I think there was even a story of a, a father giving a son as a gag gift for Christmas, a signed picture of Bill O'Brien and then the kid throwing a fit. Um, <laughs> hold on a second. Hold on a second. Was that that's... like on Jimmy Kimmel, Alabama or something? Oh, what is daddy, this? why'd you give me this picture of Bill O'Brien? You know I don't like Bill O'Brien, daddy. Why oh, no. It's the worst Christmas ever. Oh, no, Pa. Why'd you do this to me, Pa? Daddy, you know Bill O'Brien, my least favorite offensive coordinator history in Crimson Tide. Why'd you give me the picture, daddy? Daddy, I hate you. Worst birthday ever, Daddy. 
Oh, this devil Yankee from the north, send him back to Danvers. When I go around Big City Way, I see Bill O'Brien types walking all around, strutting around, city slickers like him. You give me all grab picture Bill O'Brien, Daddy, I'm leaving home. <laughs> um, that's funny. That's like a gag gift down in Tuscaloosa. Dad, if you're if you're bad, you don't get a lump of coal in your in your stocking. You get a Bill O'Brien. You get O'Brien. an autograph picture of Bill O'Brien. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Keep going. Let's hear uh, more from Rhoda. A father giving a son as a gag gift for Christmas, a signed picture of Bill O'Brien and then the kid throwing a fit um, because he was so upset to receive it. So, you know, anywhere you go, I remember Christmas at my my in-laws house. They're asking me about Bill O'Brien when he's going to be gone. It seems like there's just a lot of fan angst and sentiment. <laughs> Keep that again. Merry Christmas. When's Bill O'Brien getting fired? Nice to see you. Let's all join hands and bless this meal. Dear Lord, please fire Bill (laughs) O'Brien. And also bless this delicious mutton or whatever they eat down there. I don't know. Mm, Pass the yams. (laughs) Pass them yams. Pass the yams. Pass the grease. Just like Bill O'Brien couldn't teach Bryce Young to pass the dang ball. You know, son, maybe if you ate your vegetables, you wouldn't be getting pictures of Bill O'Brien in your stockings at Christmas this year. Oh, I hate my vegetables. <laughs> well, then, that's three more years of Bill O'Brien pictures for you, boy. <laughs> Cletus. Clean up your act. Maybe I'll send you a nice picture of Nick Saban. Put up over your bed. Anyways. Um, Dear sweet baby Jesus. My in-law's house, they're asking me about Bill O'Brien when he's going to be gone. It seems like there's just a lot of fan angst and sentiment that they don't want him here anymore, and that's it's hard to ignore at this point. It was kind of bubbling for a little while, and it's certainly come to the surface now. Yeah, sounds like it. <laughs> sounds like there's a lot of angry rednecks down there who are just not down with the other. They're, they're ready. They're driving them to the airport. It sounds like. So I love this. Uh, the writer there went on to talk about how during um, their bowl game, he tweeted out that they were av- averaging nine yards per call, like nine offensive yards mm-hmm. per play call, and someone was like, that's all Bryce Young! <laughs> There's nothing to do with ba- Bill O'Brien. Don't even talk about him. I heard Bryce Young uh, called audibles on all those plays. <laughs> that he said, I'm not doing your play, Bill O'Brien. I'm going to call my own play. I don't I don't have to listen to you in your up north fancy talk. I'm going to call <laughs> my own offense. Yeah. Thanks, Paul. And then Paul Feinbaum goes, okay. <laughs> and now let's go back to Tuscaloosa and talk to Cletus. And then let's Cletus. go to Chris in Massachusetts. Chris, good evening. Thanks for joining us. Hey, hey, how you doing? Oh, God. That's Fourier. That's, That's Fourier, Fourier calling the Paul Feinbaum show. I like how he disguised himself as Chris. <laughs> no, no way. No way they're going to see through that one. Good to see Hey, hey, how you doing? <laughs> that sounded like uh, sounded a little like Curran's fake laugh. Right oh, I'm there. sorry. I got a real fine bomb caller. Well, I wasn't going to ask because that's what everybody asks, and, and I already know. So, uh, but I'm glad you're doing well. I'm just wondering when the hell are they getting rid of that Bill O'Brien, that Yankee son of a gun? Paul, I just want to say I haven't slept a wink since Bill O'Brien was hired here. And I'm not going to sleep until that man is run out of town on a spike. I've been listening uh, nonstop now for about the past four or five months. Paul, I'm not going to lie to you, son. I've been smoking a lot of meth these past couple of weeks. And I'll tell you, I haven't slept a wink. I just wanted to get your opinion on something. Uh, I really value your opinion, so that's why I'm calling. Well, sugar, I went down to the church yesterday. What I did was I lit a candle. And that candle was for prayer to send Bill O'Brien 
back up north with the Yankees where he belongs. If he wants to coach the Patriots, yeah. he can go with that traitor Bill Belichick. I would say an extra prayer for Nick Saban and the buffoonery he has to deal with with that Billy O'Brien. I don't, I don't understand what people see in him. Um, does Bill O'Brien's reputation in Alabama mean anything to you? No! The fact that they are so down on him mean anything at all to you? This is a college, a prestigious college, uh, one of the great in college terms programs. Of, football. of course, in terms of football, <laughs> literally nothing else. But in terms of football, the mo- one of the most, if not the most prestigious places uh, that you can go, that you can coach at, and they are over him down there. That doesn't mean anything to you at all. No. It absolutely does not. Now, if Nick Saban was yeah, coming typical out. typical city slicker. <laughs> yeah. If Nick Saban. Uh, I'm of the opinion that uh, uh, the head coach at Penn State, Mr. James Franklin, uh, they <laughs> seem to underachieve just about every year. Now, now hold, hold on a minute. Is that a woman's voice I hear on the sports radio station? What in the Sam Hill oh, is going on up in They're putting ladies on the radio up, <laughs> up there in Boston. Imagine a lady on the radio. I don't take kindly to lady voices. Cletus, come about in here listen to, this, listen to this broad talking on the radio. <laughs> listen to this dame up Get there. Get her up there. Get her up the dang radio. Okay, thanks for the call there, uh, Cletus and Tuscaloosa. <laughs> and we're going to take a break here on the Paul uh, Kleinbaum no, like, show. Like if <laughs> yes, sir, uh, Mr. Kleinbaum. If if Nick Saban came out and was talking some stuff about Bill O'Brien. Mm. Now, it's kind of nice that apparently it seems like Nick Saban doesn't have a problem with with having Bill O'Brien depart this year compared to last year when Bill Belichick wouldn't even pick up the phone right. and ask Nick Saban about the opportunity to take Bill O'Brien because it would burn his precious friendship with Nick Saban. So... Like, it's nice that we're in a different situation now. And I think that this is just a reminder that so often people look at coaches like Nick Saban and they say, well, Saban could go coach in the NFL, but he's so comfy down in college, you know, being the dictator, the ruler, whatever, the king of Alabama. And that's not the case for everybody. Like, you go to college and some of those fans are just as rabid as anywhere else. I mean, they're more rabid, I would say, than most NFL teams. So it's a different lifestyle. It's a different work balance, sure. But you can kind of understand why Bill O'Brien wants to get out of Alabama. Does it Does it change your feelings on him coming back here? Um in, in one small sense, and that's just that when you look at Alabama and you see the offensive output and the numbers and everything, you think, wow, like Bill O'Brien must have really been humming down there. But it was a drop, you know, like it was a drop from the previous regime. It was a drop from the previous offense. And I think that can be sort of misleading. You know, you look at that and you think, wow, he did a great job there. But that was actually, you know, like going from Brady to Matt Castle that one year. You know, it was sort of like, well, they still were good and they still won 10 games or whatever, but they didn't make the playoffs and they weren't as good as before. And we wouldn't notice that because we're not, you know, hardcore Alabama fans, but the hardcore Alabama fans definitely notice. You're not a hardcore Bama fan. Yeah, I could tell right away. I can tell right away you ain't no hardcore fan. Um, (laughs) 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Let's go to Craig. He's in Rhode Island, and he wants to to talk about my friend Bailey Zappi. Go ahead, Craig. Yeah, I'm going to get back on the Bailey Zappi uh, train. I just watched the the clips of that Monday night football game against the Bears, which I predicted Mac getting benched before halftime. And um, just the face Mac had on the sideline as his team was driving and then scored. It, it just says it all. 
Like it wasn't like, oh, good job, great job, team. He was. He, it was like a you know a spoiled kid that didn't get his way, and it just says it all. I mean, do you agree? No. What are you talking about, Craig? Respectfully, what would you do? Like you get benched, you sit there with a you know s-eating grin on your face and be like, yay! He's taking my job. He's scoring touchdowns. Yeah. He did. I, I he clapped. I wouldn't be happy, but I wouldn't unbuckle my shoulder pads. He's not playing again. Yeah, but you just you, you put your game face on. You go you go to war with your team. It's a team game. He clapped he clapped it up for him. Like I don't I don't I, I didn't have I, a huge nope. problem. Thanks for the call, Craig. Appreciate it. I didn't have a huge problem with the way he with his demeanor in that. Would game. it turn into no. like a Matt Liner thing? Like oh, he what, got pants on national on the TV line. after he came back from an injury. Yeah. And played like crap, but <laughs> yeah, he was playing like crap, <laughs> playing very, very poorly. Uh, and then Zappy came in and was good for two drives, and then he sucked too. So, like, I, I sort of get that. That was, uh, that was an unfortunate thing. You know, it's interesting. Uh, a couple of people, a couple of players on the team, have pointed that out about Mac Jones, about how he stood there on the side. Jacoby Myers, I forget who else. Someone else mentioned this too about how Mac this year dealt with all of that, with all the Zappy stuff, with getting benched, with the fans chanting for Zappy and all that, and they were all really impressed. They were impressed by Mac's maturity and how he didn't let that get to him, and he tried to use it as motivation and sort of all that other stuff. And it's not necessarily that I'm impressed with it, but the fact <laughs> that his teammates are impressed I'm with impressed it matters. I'm impressed that the teammates are impressed. Yeah, I mean, that's what Matt, who cares if I'm impressed with it? The fact that his uh, teammates all sort of watched that and weren't like, yeah, maybe Zappy should be playing. Instead, they were like, wow, Mac's really mature and what a great leader and sort of everything else. That matters. That certainly matters more than our opinion on it or, you know, Craig and Rhode Islands or anything. So I'll, I'll defer to them. Um, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break and we're right back. The pitch to Tapia is popped up into center field. Into the dusk sky. Duran, does he see it? He doesn't. It bounces off the warning track in front of the wall. It's going to clear the bases, and Tapia's got a great chance at an inside-the-park home run. Verdugo slides, picks it up. Tapia's going to come home and score easily. It's an inside-the-park grand slam. It's 10-0 Toronto. And a perfect microcosm of the last two weeks. It is that time of night at Fenway Park. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is your phone number. Why do we play that? Well, I'll tell you why. Taking a quick Patriots break here. The little Red Sox. They did sign Ramel Tapia, the second outfielder signed by the Red Sox in the last two days, as it were. Adam Duvall signed on. Um, I guess that was Wednesday. Now it was yesterday. Yesterday was Our Wednesday. I'm struggling. All all like it's the since, Monday off day. Since last night, I thought it was Friday. I thought it was Friday all day today. You thought it was Friday last night. I thought it was Friday last night. We like, were leaving the company party, and you, I was. And dead you were like, sober. see you tomorrow. I was like, why? <laughs> no, you were like, I'll see you next week. I was like, what? And you're like, uh, what? What day is it? Rah, rah, rah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, are you okay to drive? I'm re- well, I was fine to drive. I'm just I forget what day it is all the time. You have a baby, that's what's going to happen. You will forget what day it is. You'll have no idea what day it is most of the time. Um, Tapia, 28 years old, minor league deal, and uh, not really a big uh, needle mover or anything, except for that one play, which last year I think was the highlight of the entire season, wasn't it? Uh, That inside the park grand slam by Tapia where Duran made about a 
half a move towards the ball and then just stopped and let his teammates take care of it and watched them chase it down to the wall while Tapia ran around the bases. I thought that play was everything. I mean, you heard him there, emblematic of the season. It was the season. That entire season was that one play. So <laughs> this was the one where, after the fact, Duran had the, talked about the sun getting in his So you guys right? catch fly ball in Twilight? Yeah. Let me know. That was rough. Okay, dude. <laughs> I felt bad for him. Like I know, I, didn't feel bad I, for him I think at all. I called him a moron in the moment. Like I said, he sounded like an idiot, and he did. But that's why I felt bad for him. I don't feel. I'm not. Why upset don't you that feel he, bad for him? Because he's I'm not upset that he lost the ball in. in the in the twilight. I'm upset that he stood there and watched his teammates run after it and didn't even make a move for it. Also, he seems kind of like a bit of a a hole. I'm sorry, uh, <laughs> that Jaron Duran. I'm just a, that it's the way he sort of comes off to me. Uh, doubt us. Somebody else. You know the outside noise. That's all we need to know is that you guys are doubting. <laughs> Us, everybody's doubting us, and then and then when it happens, don't, don't be cheering for us when you've been doubting us the whole time. When he's what just, happens? He's exactly? just one of these guys who needs to like stick to the playbook of canned quotes because when he tries to go outside of it, when he tries to you know color outside the lines, mm-hmm. it just is disaster. Yeah. Well, not to mention his stellar numbers. Yeah. I mean, you know, That's what I mean. We're talking about a guy who had two twenty last year. He's and, an interesting uh, center fielder. Yeah. And Jaron, I mean, listen, before uh, before they brought in the what's-his-face, before they brought in Duvall, there's your, there's your starting center oh, fielder. Oh, what's-his-face. So at the very least, they're uh, they're doing something there. 617-779-7937 is your phone number. Let's go to Steve in Connecticut. He has a Red Sox thought. Go ahead, Steve. Hey, thanks for taking my call. I uh, just wanted to propose a trade uh, to the Marlins. They have, uh, obviously, their stud, Alcantara. He's pitching for Dominican Republic in the WBC. But we have Mayer, one of the probably top five prospects of the nation. And then there's uh, Hawk. Maybe throw in a couple more prospects like Blaze and another one. You're going to throw Mayer in there? Well, yeah. If Into you're the trade. An ace, you probably have to throw him in there. Would you do that trade? That's doesn't matter if we would do it. Uh, Heim's never going to do that. Mayer is Heim's like, crown jewel because he knows that when he gets fired from this job for mostly doing what they asked and then not being able to do what then they wanted to right. do, That's his legacy, he'll right. be able to point to Mayer and say, that was my guy. My big brain found that. That was my prospect I held on to, and now he's Red Sox. Yeah. Uh, Red Sandy Alcantara is... Red Sox. <coughs> Red Sox. Red Sox. Okay. He's a Red Sox. Never know what that is. I like Sandy Alcantara a lot. He's 27. It's not like he's some young kid, you know? I mean, you'd have to, you'd have to give up a lot to get him. What? Someone just texted me something horrible about Duran. Oh. <laughs> so I'm just not going to read that on air. Well, now I want to know what no. it is. Triple I'll A stuff. I'll tell you off air. I'll tell you off air. Can you tell me what it is? Triple A stuff. Can you tell me what it has uh, to do There's with? stories about him not being the best guy in the world. Yeah. Um, okay. No comment. All right. Well, I trade him for Sandy. Ooh, the there. phone is hot over here. Let me tell you what. Um. Yeah. Listen. I mean, if you want to, if you want a player of that caliber, then you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to start thinking in those terms. But I'm not sure. I mean, listen. Sandy Alcantara is a good player. Who wants a player of that caliber right now? Uh, the Red Sox should want players of that caliber, especially in their starting rotation, because I think their rotation blows. Uh, whether or not Chris Sale plays, Marcelo Mayer is uh, by MLB.com's count the seventh hottest prospect, uh, number seven out of a hundred. Um, in the entire, all the majors. So, you know, there you go. He's definitely got some value. He's a, he's a name that people recognize. I'm not sure with the Red Sox, who else they even have. Tristan Cassis, I think, is like a fringe top 25 guy at this point in terms of like nationally. He's obviously, you know, a big deal with the Red Sox system. But in terms of trading for a big name, you know, you, you look at your prospects right now, they don't have a ton of 
a ton of value. I mean, they have some value, sure. Cassis is uh, is still there. Um, that Rafaela kid, the uh, the outfielder. So I Dane Rafael is a guy that they probably will not move on from. Okay, and it's weird because he's I think he's eighty six top one hundred for MLB. So it's okay. not like he's like the best guy in the world. But they absolutely love him. They like him a lot. He's, uh, I think he's 22. So from what I'm looking at right here, it looks like he's 22 years old. They got him at 96 on uh, MLB's prospect list. All, all of his comps are to Mookie Betts, too. So it's kind of like that's who they're hoping to get. Well, I'd hold on to him if he's the next Mookie Betts for sure. But if he's not, <laughs> you know, in the event that he isn't, I think that if you're really looking to make those kind of moves, then High and Bloom's going to have to recognize that and realize, hey, I know I'm stockpiling these prospects here, but right now I really only have one that people are banging my door down for. Well, as far as Sandy Alcantara goes, when all the uh, rumors were going around about Tristan Cassis being a trade target for the Miami Marlins, Alcantara was not one of the pitchers that they were willing to move on from. Basically, everybody else, Pablo Lopez, a uh, couple other guys on that list, but uh, Alcantara, if, if you were to go and trade him, and I don't know if I'm willing to move on from Marcelo Mayer yet, considering he's the guy that's supposed to be replacing Xander Bogarts, I'm assuming in the mind of Hyam Bloom, uh, maybe you hold off on that and see what your young pitching staff can do before you start poaching the young pitching staff of other teams. You know who I like on the Marlins? Who you like? Jazz Chisholm. Yes. I like Jazz Chisholm, too. Yes. Not just because that's a really cool name, but because that guy's He's a baller, feels like too. That's so much like 30% swagger. of it. I mean, that's a big part of it. I'm not yeah. going <laughs> to I would buy a Jazz like Chisholm 35. Red Sox jersey like immediately. If He's he gotten uh, <laughs> comparisons to Dennis Rodman from his teammates. Is that right? <laughs> yeah, that's a little worse. Get him, I'm. Let's go. I'm right into now. it. Uh, let's go to AJ in Rhode Island. Go ahead, AJ. Hey, what's up, Arkan? What's up, Mega? I love up? the show. Thanks. Um, I think that I don't understand why Hunt keeps adding all these outfielders. I really think that they should go after Jose Iglesias, show up the infield. They have Kike on the roster already. Why do they keep adding on all these outfielders? Like the Duvall signing, I get, but the Tapia signing, I just don't understand at all. I just wanted to see what you guys thought on that about this. Um, I mean, they need help in the outfield, I think, uh, and have needed it this whole time. The infielder thing now with the story injury is a little bit more immediate and a little bit more. Uh, sort of in everybody's face here. Uh, Iglesias is still a free agent, right? Mm -hmm. He didn't sign anywhere, I don't Correct. think. Yeah, but if they were going to do that, wouldn't they have done that already? Um, Maybe. It feels like such an obvious, if you're like if you're going for a shortstop like that, aren't you? wouldn't you have already pulled that instead of trying to rejigger everything unless and you move think everybody you can, around? You, unless you think you can do better than Iglesias, which I'm sorry, I think they probably can. Um, and I'm not just saying that because he body shamed me that one time. I'm Wait, saying, what? Jose oh, Iglesias. Good story. You don't know this? Did I not? No. You, you told me this story. I don't know if you've told it I don't on the think air. you told All right, me so this. one time when I was working in New Hampshire, they sent me up to uh, the Market Basket up in um, up in Manchester there, or in Hooksit, I think it was. And this was the Bobby Valentine year, and mm -hmm. Jose Iglesias had just been called up, and the, game, the season was over. It was like September, and Hood Milk was doing a uh, promotion at this grocery store, and it was for this new ice cream flavor that they had. And Jose Iglesias was there, and they sent me up there to go talk to him. And so I go there, and it was like 11 a.m. And I hadn't eaten anything because, you know, I'd driven up from Watertown all the way up to New Hampshire to interview the guy. And uh, I get there, we do the interview, and I turn around, and there's this table, and there's these free samples of the ice cream. And so I grabbed a couple, and I'm eating. You know, you know me. You know how I eat. And uh, Ice cream in the left hand, ice cream in the right yeah, hand. Yeah, double fist in the ice cream. It's my breakfast and lunch. Hey, <laughs> so you're starving. I'm sitting there, I'm eating, it, and I'm wolfing them down, and Iglesias goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. And I turn around, and like ice cream smeared all over my face. <laughs> I'm like, whoa, whoa, what? And he's like, slow down, man. I'm like, hey, this, I didn't eat lunch. He's like, this is your lunch? And I was like, yeah. And then he slapped me on the belly. He goes, hey, maybe mix in a salad. And like, Iglesias <gasps> is this Keep little guy. Boy. 
Uh, Iglesias is like a small person, right? And I'm not big, you know? Like, I'm not like some big... You're not a big lardo. Right? Like, I'm not, you know, I'm not some big person, but like next to I him I was. Like, if I was going to describe your appearance, that would, I wouldn't even mention weight at That's all. Fun. I'd be like, he's a normal-sized guy. Just the candy bar that he's eating? Well, that was just weird. That that brought back memories. <laughs> that was just you. weird. The candy bar move yesterday was weird. Like uh, when you see eating ice a, cream for lunch is weirder than eating. Adult, no, an adult man bar. eating a full size candy bar for lunch is kind of odd. Don't be the fat guy at the buffet line and eats fast. It was my lunch dessert. It wasn't my whole lunch. I had your my lunch, lunch dessert. It was right. dessert from lunch. It's is a totally it the different little thing. treat that you gave yourself for finishing the chicken nuggets. That's right. And maybe <laughs> Jose Iglesias was onto something, but he didn't have to do it in front of all those people in the Hooksit uh, market basket. Okay, that was uh, <laughs> that was all very unnecessary. And I cried all the way home eating my oh, ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so screw you, Jose Iglesias. I hope the Red Sox don't sign you. Six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven is the phone number. When we come back, there's a big old honking Celtics game tonight. We'll get into that and. Uh, more of the coaching carousel in the NFL. It's all coming up right after this.